Hello and welcome to Chasing the Peloton. I'm your host Peter and this is episode 10 in our series of Meet the Migration Gravel Races. And today we have another Dutch duo, Maurice and Lester, and they're here to talk about not just their preparations for the Migration Gravel Race and how they got into cycling, but to tell us a little bit more about Team Armani, the driving force behind the race and a number of other initiatives. But before we get to my conversation with Lester and Maurice, the international gravel and endurance racing scene is is ramping up and there have been some really good results for previous guests of this show and also participants of the migration gravel race so let's do a little bit of a roundup of some of those results over in rwanda sule won the 100 mile gravel gorilla race in kenya jeffrey was the first place man in the migration gravel race series second edition with iman finishing as the third place woman and then in Uganda, Kato brought home the win with the support of his brother despite rampant corruption and cheating. The scenes of celebration at the finish line are incredible. I urge you to go and have a look on the Masaka Club um, Instagram feed. He and his brother Waswa also celebrated their 25th birthdays a few days later, so happy birthday to both of them. Out of Africa and to Scotland, Josh Ibbett completed the stunning Highland Trail 550 bikepacking race to come fourth and then jumping across the Atlantic Ian Boswell came second in the 100 mile rule of three race and also not yet a guest but a migration gravel race participant Lawrence Tandam won the gravel locos race in Texas he will be also racing unbound this weekend and I expect he's going to place pretty well so the big hitters are finding form and victories with only a couple of weeks to go this race in Kenya is going to be hot so in a lot of my conversations on previous episodes, I've brought up Armani, Team Armani, Project Armani, without really explaining what it is beyond the organization that has arranged the Migration Gravel Race. So for my benefit and for your benefit, I got hold of Maurice and Lester, two of the guys making it happen with the Armani Project, based out of a coffee shop in The Hague in the Netherlands. Both these guys were brilliant guests, and I'm really grateful to them for taking the time to speak with me explain a little bit more about the Armani project, but also explain a little bit about both of them, their background in cycling, how they came to be part of the Armani project. And I hope you find the conversation interesting and enjoyable. So you know who they are, you'll hear Lester's voice first as we start our conversation. And here it is. Before we get into the nitty gritty, um, where let's set the scene for those who are listening. Uh, where am I speaking to you guys from? Um, both in the Hague, and I'm uh, at my apartment in, um, yeah, just a little, yeah, in the city center of the Hague. Mm. Yep, and I'm uh, just outside of the Hague in Voorburg. Uh, in a really quiet house now my, both my children are at daycare and oh, nice. uh, i uh, can uh, do some work or act as if i'm doing some work and then, <laughs> uh, doing a sneaky podcast uh, <laughs> in between <laughs> yeah yeah so um talking about cycling how did you guys i guess in the netherlands everyone cycles but um how did you guys come to it and how did you guys come to be with um armani 
and well is it i guess perhaps through lola armani i, I don't know how what's your, what's your background for me uh, yeah i started in high school yeah. uh, uh, i bought a, a very old racing bike from a, a housemate of uh, lounge ten dam who was still in the development team uh, back then at rabobank um but yeah, a really cheap old, it's more of a death trap cycling uh, in Maastricht uh, through the hills there. Um, and yeah, I had to buy it myself because my parents weren't really into cycling at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides uh, the normal city bike in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, and I uh, uh, did that for a few years, uh, but then went studying. Uh, and uh, there I met Lester and... Uh, I focused more on on drinking than uh, than cycling, <laughs> so the bike rusted away. Um, so Lester was a bad influence, or not necessarily a bad influence, but his his influence <laughs> took you away from cycling a little bit. Yes, I, I blame uh, him all the way around. <laughs> I blame him for everything. Uh, so, how long have you guys known each other then? Uh, Since the start of our studies. Okay. Two thousand seven. Yeah. So. Quite a while. Mm. Um, yeah, and in 2011, I started uh, cycling again uh, because I needed a bit of structure in my life, let's say. Right. <laughs> and uh, uh, got more enthusiastic and all keen to, to ride a bit more. And uh, then I joined one of the Wednesday night rides at Lola. Uh, yeah. So it's the Lola's Bikes and Coffee. And every Wednesday night, there's a, there's a ride everyone can join. And it's really, there's no threshold. You can just show up and, and ride your bike. And uh, uh, the first ride, I, I, I broke my collarbone and I loved it. <laughs> so. Uh, Ouch. So you did. So, so there was a, a while between the first, your first and your second rides then? Uh, two weeks only. Okay. <laughs> you liked uh, it so much that you were willing to go back with with a recovering collarbone uh yeah yeah it was uh it was so nice to meet so many people's different levels yeah. uh, uh riding the bikes and uh, uh lola changed a lot in my life i uh uh yeah I, uh it, it took over my social life uh, within a few years uh and uh, yeah it's just a really special place where Everybody loves riding the bike, but also very diverse people. Mm. And that's, uh, 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 yeah, that changed a lot for me and uh, for cycling. Mm. I, I hear a lot of good things about Lola. I don't know, I don't know what they're doing that, um, that makes it so special, but everyone that I speak to says that it's a super welcoming, super diverse, kind of quite a, a nice community to be part of. I think they put something in the coffee. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so then, Maurice, did you bring Lester along or was it the other way around or you kind of joined at the same time? Um, oh, yeah, when did you join Lester? That's uh, well, quite some years I, later. Yeah, like, uh, some later because I had similar experience as Maurice. I mm. also started cycling as a teenager. And then when I met Maurice, I stopped cycling. <laughs> not sure if they were related these events but uh and then i was a bit later with um i took a bit longer to pick cycling up again than maurice so i started cycling again in 2017 or something really a few years later uh, mm. than maurice and 
yeah, I picked it up and he saw that uh, I got a new bike on Strava. So he invited me immediately to uh, to one of these uh, Wednesday night rides. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was, uh, yeah, what Maurice explained uh, or said, the first ride was just uh, amazing in certain levels because it was uh, you had like um when i joined you had uh, two groups a social group and a fast-paced group so mm-hmm. maurice of course said to me like oh hey let's join the fast group yeah and it was just immediately the first 10 kilometers of that ride was to uh, on small june roads going way above my comfort speed and was really fighting for for position in there so it was a really uh uh like a little race in the dunes, mm. lots of mayhem on <laughs> on uh, on like uh, threshold uh, heart rate. So that was uh, very thrilling. I'm even uh, getting excited when I think about the first ride now. Mm. And luckily for me, I didn't break my collarbone uh, in my first ride. I mm. got dropped. So maybe that's even worse. <laughs> no, that's but the not next worse. week, uh, <laughs> but uh, at least the next week I could join again. And I remember I was after the first ride. I was first scared, and I didn't know if I wanted to join again. But then a few days later, I thought, really thought like, ah, I need to join again because this was so thrilling. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, and that's also how I met uh, the Lola cycling community. Mm-hmm. And I think. They do, maybe they do something in the coffee, but I think it's just uh, like a it's a very open atmosphere over there. So yeah. everyone is so nice, so uh, friendly. Yeah, from what I hear, yeah. it's kind of it's um, it's less like a cycling club. It's more like a a community built around a coffee shop. That I guess that kind of gives it a little bit of a um, a different vibe. That um, it's not just about the cycling. There's there's like a place where people can go and meet and hang out and um, like you said, there's two different rides, the social ride and a quick ride. Um, that just means that uh, the pressure's off if you just want to turn up and take it easy. Or even if you're not into cycling, you can go. To, you can just go and hang out. And I've seen the pictures on Instagram. It looks like a pretty cool, cool uh, coffee shop with bikes all over the place. Yeah, I've been uh, living there uh, next to the place for a few years, right. and it was just an extension of my living room. I right. was just sitting there getting my coffee and uh, people just enter and you always know someone and if mm. you don't know them you'll you'll meet them there and uh, really uh, uh, yeah uh, and so then Armani was born out of Lola am I right in thinking yes yeah so how, how, how did that come about and how long ago was that um, yeah, I, Lola has always had some connection and involvement in uh, East Africa and cycling. Yeah. Uh, they had a project, uh, Kampala in Uganda, uh, for okay. bike messenger service. Uh, so there was always something. But uh, a few years ago, uh, Lola was taking over by, uh, by uh, just a few members of the Lola Cycling Club. This right. is really the, they were taking over, they were taking control. And um, one of those... Uh, People is uh, Michael Delagrange, yeah. and uh, he uh, self uh, um, he calls himself the head cheerleader of Amani, and uh, uh, I think he, he came up with this idea uh, together with uh, the Dutch uh, Cycling Federation. Um, he's been traveling to uh, 
Eastern Africa for a few times for, for his work. Yeah. And uh, he was there, saw some cycling teams, and he just asked them, what, what do you guys really need? Mm. Uh, uh, is it bikes or whatever? And, and the response he got was, we just want to race. We just want an opportunity to get uh, to show ourselves and, uh, and not that they enter a race and then they show up and there's no race or they have to wait for a week or there's just no organization mm. at all. Um, and that's how it, at least. So it was, yeah, it was not the traditional, okay, we'll send them some parts or we'll send them some bikes. It's like, no, no, we've got bikes. We've got parts. We just want to race. It doesn't matter what, what bike we've got. We, we, we've got something to do it on. We just want, we want the competition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so the first project was also trying to get some of these African cyclists to the Netherlands to okay. uh, to let them race over here. Yeah, and yeah, that's how um, how we got like the Amani team in the Netherlands. The idea was to have them. Um, we have uh, many club races here on amateur level. So yeah. after doing a year of um, the Wednesday night rides uh, in the June. Um, I thought like, oh, this is really cool, but uh, maybe it's nice to do it a bit more organized. And in, uh, in the Netherlands, you have um, these clubs which organize uh, weekly club races in the evening on uh, on a track. So you don't need to uh, cycle in the dunes with other people <laughs> to get your uh, racing kick. Yeah. But you can do it actually on a, on a closed track. And yeah, a few others of um, of Lola were doing that. And then Michael asked me to uh, to form a racing team to have um, like a little calendar for the um, for the Kellen cyclists when they when they would come here. Mm. But unfortunately, that uh, got cancelled due to Corona. Ah. But that's also the beginning of like the the club team uh, which we have in the Netherlands. Mm. So yeah. that has that's only been around then a year or so, I, I guess, or maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. about two years. So yeah. it started just before Corona, and then we were planning everything, and Shame. yeah, and then Cheng indeed. Uh, yeah. So um, so Armani's then a, a a proper registered team then um in the Netherlands in terms of uh being able to facilitate these these races and I guess racing against other clubs as well, or, or is it just kind of internal races? It's still it's a little bit unorganized or not unorganized, but unstructured like the Lolo Alola community. Yeah. But uh we are now collaborating with uh, the local clubs here in the, around the Hague. Mm. And so we do our weekly um, weekly races or weekly trainings on a close track and now we're gonna start doing the um, uh, races, weekly mm. races. And hopefully once uh, all the restrictions are gone we're really gonna have uh, a team doing uh, proper races but we're not uh, an official club because that has a lot of additional administration yeah. and stuff like that so we collaborate with the existing clubs here okay cool well yeah it's certainly the the coolest clubs kit that i've ever seen um <laughs> so you're onto a winner there uh lester's wearing that at the moment a very nice blue is that the new kit or the the old one uh, i, I understand the, the new kit one. coming soon yeah yeah the new kit coming soon it has been uh coming soon for uh some while now but okay. uh now really coming soon <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
And so you mentioned about, uh, my understanding is the Armani project's made up of these kind of three strands, one of them being about bringing uh, athletes over to live and race in the Netherlands, in Europe. Yeah. Um, so uh, how would that look kind of, if, if I was a, one of the best um, Kenyan riders, shall we say, Ugandan riders, whatever, um, what's that kind of process? How did you um, envisage that process happening? And, and is that the plan still to do that in the future once the restrictions are lifted? Yeah, well, uh, well, the plan was to break the barriers for Kenyan cyclists. That's or Kenyans for African cyclists. That's yeah. always always been the the overall goal to because um, for African cyclists, for them, they have many barriers for entering the the pro cycling sport mm. or even the cycling sport and. One of those is uh, geographical. So for them, they don't have so many races on the African con continent. Most of the races are in Europe. So we thought, oh, what is a good way to uh, break the barrier, bring them where the races are? Mm. Well, that was not possible because of the corona. And then, of course, we, uh, we had an, um, a different solution, which is uh, the swift racing, yeah. where... We, uh, yeah, where you don't have these barriers. And that has been very successful. We have been racing with them uh, all year and it has been mainly successful for them because we have been, they have been beating us all the time, oh, yeah. every week. So yeah, I've, joined uh, <laughs> a couple, I've joined a couple of times on the Thursday night. And uh, yeah, it's, um, there's no hiding places, shall we say. No, 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 that's somewhere where they really can showcase their, uh, their strength yeah and the ambition with the online racing i guess is to to bet to kind of um remove or increase the transparency around just the the raw athletic ability of of these guys like there's there's a racing ability which is the different thing but just in terms of yeah. what power they can do um and not having to and being able to see that by just looking at your computer screen rather than having to go and be side by side with them i think this is something that only really in the last year or so has has really kind of opened up the opportunity, shall we say, through through things like Swift. Yeah, that's yeah. that's been a major milestone for yeah. uh, for these kind of cyclists. Yeah, you you see some some pros started who who got uh, recruited by Swift and uh, yeah, and uh, for the for the East African riders, this is of course a very great way to show their strength. Um, but of course, the, the power, the power output is not enough in the end, and uh, that's why it's still great to, to to have the opportunity later on to to get them to Europe, to the races, yeah. uh, to experience more than uh, uh, what it what it is to uh, to, to race in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think, of course, on the bike it will be very different, but also. Outside of the bike, uh, the whole there, there there will be a bit of a culture shock if yeah. you're coming to Europe for the first time. Everything will be different, and you're uh, so if an African cyclist comes here, his his uh, 
his mind will be like he sees a lot of new stuff just like mm. we do when we are in a foreign country and yeah. uh, it's difficult to focus and uh, by being able to uh, give them the ability to come here uh, on a regular basis uh, with a yearly training camp of a few times a year then yeah. they can adjust to that and uh, once they have the opportunity and they have showcased themselves and you know, via Zwift, they uh, can hear and they can focus on the race instead of everything happening around them. Yeah, and my understanding is as well there'd be some kind of uh, support system, shall we say, or something like that, where they'd be paired up or or linked up with with one of you guys in terms of, um, yeah, how to navigate public transport or wh- whatever else it is, and <laughs> yeah. and f- for a little bit longer period of time so that you kind of do. It is less of a um, a culture shock, and you are able mm-hmm. then just to focus on performing on the bike. It kind of takes the pressure off a little bit. You still want to perform, but then mm-hmm. you get a better sense of um, okay, I need to work harder, or actually, okay, I, I I'm there, um, and, and and yeah, I might get I might get spotted or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, about easing in a little bit into uh, this transition because it's. Uh... Yeah, just uh, now there's still a cultural barrier as well. So by um, by having uh, like an exchange program like this, then uh, that really can um, can help that barrier to be broken down for them to um, get used to us and also for Dutch people or not say Dutch people, but people in Europe to get also used to uh, African cyclists to get to know each other's perspectives. I yeah. think that really helps uh, for them to break down that uh, cultural barrier. Not even for them, but also for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, on a, on a personal level, what what motivates you guys to to play a role or or, or take part in in something like this initiative? The easy thing you don't need much motivation at all because this is exactly what I like to do. Oh, yeah. Riding my bike, uh, meeting new people, uh, talking about uh, my passion. Um, uh, so in the, in that way, there is much motivation necessary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but of course, when you meet those people, the, the motivation uh, comes itself. At, uh, uh, you see the potential of the, the these people, and that's not just potential in uh, in FTP or how hard they can cycle, but just in what, uh, yeah, in what these people are able to do and uh, how they are as a human being. So mm. uh, that's, uh, that for me, that gives energy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I think um, Maurice put it really nicely that you don't really mo- need motivation for this. It's just, yeah, you get motivated by being involved and, it's just nice to meet so many interested, open-minded people. And I've also a natural interest in different people, different cultures. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what gets me attracted to this project. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then suddenly within the last year, uh, the talk begins about actually having a race in Kenya. Um, and you, I guess you don't need much motivation to sign up for that either. Um, how, how did, how did the race come about? I, I, I assume it's kind of those conversations around racing opportunities for the guys in Africa, but, um, perhaps you could kind of fill in 
fill in a few more details? Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, one and a half years ago, uh, Michael mentioned something about this, uh, this idea to organize a race, uh, a gravel race in a country which is filled with gravel. Yeah. Um, and he asked me if I uh, was able to help out, uh, have some uh, experience with gravel or I think that's why he asked me. Uh, since 2016, we, we bought a few cyclocross bikes and uh, organized some trips uh, to Morocco, Albania, oh, some cool. adventures. Uh, and uh, uh, I think I just came back in 2019 from the uh, the further race, uh, a race in the Pyrenees, which is, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it's called a cycling race, but uh, I've been walking my bike for four hours a day, so it's a bit different. <laughs> so you're a bit of an endurance athlete as well then? Mm, I've met Josh Ibbett. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him right away. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I I finished the race and, I, uh, and I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. But I was... Uh, uh, I finished one day behind Emma Pulley, who won the who won the event, yeah. and one day in a in a uh, approximately three days uh, race. It's probably not the best <laughs> performance ever. But, uh, but with easy, with easy, I did my first <laughs> I did my first endurance event this weekend, and and I think within two hours I realized no no just finishing is the success here. I'm not going to worry about <laughs> as soon as I think it was the first I'd overtaken a couple of people but then as soon as I got overtaken by one of the serious guys I went okay now I'm it makes sense I just need to I just need to finish this and that will be a success I don't need to worry about chasing that guy down because um I haven't got a chance yeah what kind of endurance race did you participate um it was called the Trans England Race. It was basically a coast to coast uh, across the north, um, starting around nine o'clock in the evening in Morecambe, which is a seaside town uh, yeah. on the the west coast, and then riding through five checkpoints through the night and into the morning um, to the east coast and the seaside town of of Scarborough. So that was three hundred twenty kilometers with about with nearly six thousand meters of climbing. Um, mm. Nice. so yeah that took about 17 hours start to finish um but yeah i finished i think maybe four hours four hours yeah four hours behind the guy that won it so um again like you the in the in the in the length of time that's like four hours is a long time so um yeah I, but just finishing it was was the was the thing that made me happy and also realizing that okay i might be able to finish the migration gravel race because there's clearly my cl legs clearly have the training's paid off and i'm able to to finish yet um yeah the heat and uh, the the uh, terrain might be a little bit different in kenya well it will be a little bit different in kenya but um perhaps fitness wise i i have enough shall we say yeah i think um during the migration gravel race um, many people will have the same realization as you had during your race that yeah, finishing will be good enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Maurice, then you've 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 been quite influential or quite integral in in setting up the race. Um, uh, I I didn't do much useful stuff, but uh, <laughs> I've talked <laughs> I've talked about it a lot, and uh, uh, it's very interesting to to, to see the ID grow. Yeah. Beginning. We had no idea. Okay, we want to race over there, so they they. 
so the African riders have their home advantage and we can show uh, the whole world uh, how beautiful that the country is and uh, what a great uh, athletes there are. Um, but we had no idea how it would look like. And we wanted uh, to have it go through the national parks. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there are some some challenges with that. <laughs> some animals who probably don't like to go cycling there or eat you at night, like the small stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The mosquitoes, right? Who eat you? <laughs> yeah. I bought my I bought a mosquito net the other day because I'd ah. I, I I'm not sure whether there's gonna be one there, but um I went to get some travel injections and the guy said, Have you got a mosquito net? And I said, No. He said, uh it might be useful. I was like, okay. <laughs> Can you wear it on a bike or not? Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to look like a beekeeper or something like that. <laughs> a very unconventional. Can you do an Armani branded beekeeping suit for um, protecting me yeah, on the bike? Is it aero or? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so um, the migration gravel race is now three weeks away, two weeks, well, two and a half weeks away. It's getting very close. Um, you guys are both going. How's how's the training been, um, and how are you feeling about the race? I think this is a question for Lester. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I've not been training specifically for the migration gravel race, but I think I will be uh, will be okay. Uh, there are so many uh, unknown uh, factors over there. I think yeah. that the altitude, uh, you know, I'm not uh, determined enough to. Uh, to sleep in, an, uh, no. in one of these pressure tents yeah. <laughs> and the, um, the road conditions or the gravel conditions you also don't really know what's gonna happen there you, we have a little bit of an idea but maybe if it rains it's gonna be completely different yeah. and also the field it's diff pretty difficult to uh, see how that's gonna be so with all these unknown factors well i'm confident i will finish but uh I have no clue uh, where in the field. So, uh, and I've been mainly focusing now next to the cycling on getting my material in order. So one of the biggest challenges I see is carrying three liters of water on my bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> I've been discussing a lot about it with Maurice and uh, been checking uh, places on my bicycle where I can mount additional uh, water bottle cages yeah and uh, yeah do you, maybe do you have a solution i'm still testing i thought i yeah. found a solution i got mounted two bubble uh bubble cages on my uh, uh seat stays yeah okay. but uh, then i went cycling with it last weekend uh, in limburg in uh, like uh, the hilly more rocky area of the netherlands and there uh, one of them broke off so i guess it was not a durable solution Mm. So it's good to find solutions, but also you need to have some time to test them, of course, because uh, yeah, if it's not tested, you cannot really use it. And uh, you don't want it failing on day one when no, you indeed, tested it. indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and think I'm going to go for a backpack with a with a oh, yeah? with two liters in, and then a couple more liters on the bike. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's also a solution. Eh? Yeah, Maurice also found something. We are, again, new uh, mounting points for, uh, for mounting solutions for uh, bottle cages, but uh, maybe a backpack is also a good idea. I have no idea how it works with the heat and to have a backpack on you, but uh, yeah, I think it's, so. yeah, I think it's, it's more important to have enough water than to worry yeah. about a sweaty back. 
but um, <laughs> but we'll see. That's true. I've I've got some I've got some extra mounts on my bike as well, just in case. But uh, yeah, so um, it's interesting, Lester. You mentioned um, this being unknown. I think no one really knows what's going. Well, there's going to be an unknown for everyone. I think even the the local guys. Yes, they have home advantage, but riding. 50 60 riders however many it's going to be if it's that much kind of not necessarily in a group but a group that size i guess even the recce wasn't was six or seven people i guess so yeah um and not going at full gas um this is going to be new for those guys a lot of those guys as well so uh i think an unknown experience and yeah as, as much as you can test out solutions there's there's no way of knowing exactly because this is the first time this has been run. Yeah, exactly. Well, one thing that's which is really nice about the situation is that now finally we feel a little bit how maybe African cyclists would feel when they first come to Europe. Yeah. So this is uh, finally the other way around where they are they have their home race and we will be we will be the visitors uh, who need to adapt and to. Uh, and to see how it's gonna happen and to deal with all these uncertain factors. Yeah. So we've got we talked about the Armani project. We talked about kind of the three the three strands that make it up, the the online racing, the the hopefully at some point in the future, the um the exchange between riders coming to uh Europe, the Netherlands to get kind of the experience of racing, but also the cultural experience, and then the uh the upcoming migration gravel race. As as two guys who are involved with with Team Armani, uh, what are your hopes for the future? Let's yeah. say, I'll frame it like I did the question before. If we had another conversation this time next year, uh, let's say we're talking not just about Migration Gravel Race 2022, but we're also talking about um, potentially the successes of, our, of Armani, but uh, also uh, new plans or what's worked well, what potentially hasn't worked well. What, what do you guys think we'd be talking about? Uh, for me, it doesn't necessarily have to be like we found a talent and he, he has a, a super career and uh, yeah, he's now uh, in the Tour de France and the, yeah. the job's been done. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, that would be definitely very cool, but uh, uh, I think it's more in. It doesn't between. necessarily happen like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we've that we've been able to to meet everyone to 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 uh, to connect with those people. Uh, uh, that they got their chance or got their chance they they are having a a chance on a regular basis to show themselves and uh um that were, that were comfortable they were able to 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 find them and uh, they can connect with us over here uh, so it's more of a community and from that community i hope more projects will arise uh, so it's not these three things that are playing at the moment but uh, i uh, i see amani as a as a base as a community where a lot of projects will grow from and uh, maybe some uh, uh, the first projects will start from uh, Europe, uh, uh, but I have also just uh, there will be new projects just starting in East Africa. Um, the Wedash the initiative, and, uh, um, and I, I think that uh, that would be uh, be awesome. Uh, if you already see Sule, who's uh, uh, 
uh, who's been uh, early on the podcast, he's uh, organizing the Migration Gravel Series, some, some local races. So he shows that he's not only a great cyclist, but he can also organize something like that and bring people together. Mm. Uh, these are already uh, bigger successes than uh, I could have been hoping for before uh, in the beginning. Yeah, I, I think his story is a really, uh, a really good example of uh, someone who's spent a lot of time cycling at, at some of the highest levels and has travelled a lot with it, but then uh, also is willing and want and, and wanting to give back to the community and share his passion and his love. And you can see that that's having the success now and through um, through partnerships and other things like that kind of sponsorships or even just pro like profile and a little bit more exposure. Um, uh, obviously he's done all the hard work, but replicating and growing that um, and sharing that is, uh, is how these things get accelerated or, or replicated in, in other parts. Um, and I think that's, that's a big success. Thinking of that also um, I've been seeing about, I think um, Masaka's the big one, but also with regards to the e-racing, kind of the building of clubhouses as well uh, to facilitate kind of e-racing and Zwift racing. Is this something that's been connected with Armani as well? Well, it's con being connected in the sense that, uh, that we're trying to connect with, um, with the African cyclists and with the African clubs. And yeah. what um, Maurice also said is that we're trying to um, build a community. And I think that's the most powerful thing we can achieve in building a, com a community, to, to building bridges where we can exchange information, share our passion, get to, get to understand each other and see what kind of um, solutions can be used uh, in, every, in every country. Because... Uh, you will see that, uh, for example, as well in the Netherlands or within Europe, the whole cycling uh, culture is different in each country. For example, in the Netherlands, you have a lot of uh, club races on amateur level, but in, mm. in France and Spain, you will have a lot of grand fondos. And so that's hopefully you will also see that in, uh, in Kenya, where maybe the gravel cycling will be uh, on the rise over there. And then in Rwanda, maybe you will have better uh, better road infrastructure, so maybe they do have uh, more Grand Fondo style of, uh, yeah. of races. So that's, uh, I hope we can have a community where everyone can learn from each other. Although speaking of Sula, he won a gravel race in Rwanda this weekend. So there's also oh, really? there's also some gravel gravel routes in uh, in Rwanda too. So shout out, congratulations to him. I think you touched on oh, a really, yeah. really... Uh, well, I, I'm going to infer from what you just said, Lester, and, and kind of the whole conversation about building a community. It's not necessarily that one way is better than another way. It, they're just different ways. And actually, um, coming back to how this, how Armani came about was more about asking the question, what do you want, rather than this is the way we do it here. Um, you should not necessarily say you should do it like this, but how about you try it like this, or we will help you do it the way that we do it over here. Um, and I think... I, it's there probably are ways to nothing's going to be perfect first time around uh and the, the perhaps there, there would be lessons learned from from that approach but i think in terms of building that community uh going in with uh 
as as little bias as you can or as little preconception about what what's best um certainly in the long run where you'd, you'd hope would, would lead to at least a stronger community and end through that better results yeah exactly yeah so being um about being open-minded and being yeah. uh treat each other as equals that's uh i think for us, it's also a lot to gain. We can uh, we meet new people. We get inspired. Hopefully, we'll mm -hmm. learn the secrets about uh, how these canyons get so strong. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think yeah. it's something to do with the altitude, which, yeah. which for, for well, less more so for you guys. Uh, I've got a, I've, well, I've hardly got any altitude here, but it's certainly more than you. I think that that, that might be a factor. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what what I like about uh, cycling, which is a bit of the the yeah the, the medium in in which this uh, community will uh, thrive, um, yeah. that it's uh, somehow for everyone it's the same. Uh, some might be going faster or have better equipment or, uh, but uh, we're enjoying the same things. We're uh, having the same. Uh, problems on the bike once we're riding it's it's hard it's uh, there's rain there's there's wind and uh, uh as greg lamont said you know uh, it's never get easier you only go faster it's yeah. in the end it's all the same and uh and that's why i think cycling is just such a great way to to connect with uh, uh with international people to because we can all understand one thing and uh, that's a great starting point. And from there, we can uh, build a build a community. And that's the, that's what I've been seeing very closely at at Lola, just very local in the Hague. Yeah. Uh, there's one subject, cycling, and uh, yeah, my whole social life revolves around it nowadays. Uh, and. Uh, and uh, I hope uh, with Amani, it's it's going to be uh, yeah, the same. Like uh, yeah, one big nice community where yeah. uh, a lot of good things come from. Awesome. Well, that is that's the forty-five minutes I asked of you, um, <laughs> Lester Maurice. Thank you very much indeed. Look forward thank to, you to, to uh, meeting you guys you. soon, and thank yeah. you again for your time. Yep. Likewise. That was my conversation with Lester and Maurice. I hope you found it interesting. I certainly enjoyed meeting both the guys and hearing them explain a little bit more about how they came to be part of Team Armani and also a little bit more about what Armani is about. If you want to keep track of what Armani are up to, go and give them a follow on Instagram. I'll also link to the profiles of the two boys so you can see what they're up to with their cycling. And if you enjoyed this podcast, go and give us a follow at Chasing the Peloton. You can also please give us a subscribe, a like, a comment as you do on your podcast apps. That would be much appreciated. And until next time, keep chasing. Keep chasing.